Hey, everybody, this is Brady Dale, and uh, welcome to the spaced out and moving during a heat wave in New York City edition of Lightbulb Talks, the conversations about crypto, where we attempt to make something click for listeners, maybe something that they hadn't already uh, hadn't already thought about. So um, to that end, uh, we're bringing on a, a veteran crypto denizen tonight, um, Samson Mao, the chief strategy officer of Blockstream, but more importantly to this conversation, the CEO of Pixelmatic. So, um, but before we get into that, um, let me just tell the world this is happening and then invite uh, Samson on. Here we go. Um, and then let's get Samson here. Do do. Oh, I always do this wrong. There we go. All right. Cool. All right. So he's been invited. So, yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about games tonight, which I have a lot of thoughts about. Um, having played games since I was a kid and liking games theoretically, though I'm not exactly sure I'm a gamer. Uh, so I guess we can talk about that. Um, but I've, um, uh, I've covered... Uh, the conversation, the, um, uh, I've covered, uh, gaming quite a bit. Um, hold on a second. I'm a little bit worried that, uh, is this, is this live? This is live, right? Are we, why does this keep, I don't understand. Oh, okay, great. Hey, Brady. Hey, Samson. How's it going? I wasn't sure if I had uh, effectively started this yet or not, um, but now you're here, so I had. Great. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks. You can hear me, right? Yeah, I hear you. No problem. Um, did you hear any of my uh, opening babble? I don't think you did. I don't think you were here, right? No. Okay. Who's so, in here? Is it just us? <laughs> it's just us for right now. It should. It, it always takes a few minutes to form up. See, look at that. Whoa, it's popping off really fast here um so yeah that's why i usually just kind of uh riff a little bit at the start about what is ever, whatever's on my mind uh and then kind of let people come in um but uh how are you tonight not bad it's pretty hot where are you in the world uh west coast canada heat oh wave okay it's fully a heat wave here in new york city too i thought you were on the western side of the world or of this continent and so it's, I guess it's a heat wave in both places. It's fun, fun times we live in. Um, well, welcome. It's good to have you here. Um, I am also in a heat wave. If you can hear any kind of rumble in the background, uh, that's my um, air conditioning going. Um, that is not, I usually turn it off for this. That is not, a, that is not an option tonight. So um, right. cool. Well, so yeah, I wanted to talk to you tonight about uh I know you've been involved in a lot of things, particularly in the Bitcoin side of crypto for a long time, but I wanted to dig in on uh, on Pixelmatic and specifically what you're doing there in games now, because that's just sort of an ongoing um, conversation in crypto is sort of like when uh, games and crypto are going to finally like really 
hit it off together. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's just start off kind of casually though. Um, and also, by the way, I just want to say for folks who are listening, uh, you know, if you do come on at some point later and we start inviting people up to speak, I, you know, I am recording. This is for the Space Gas podcast. Um, so just be aware of that. Um, if you come on, you're consenting to be a part of that recording. But um, yeah, I'll, and I'll re-mention that again later. But so, so Samson, tell us about just you personally as a gamer. What's your, uh, what's your gamer background? Oh, gamer background. So I guess the you know <laughs> online games it probably started during the BBS era. So dial up, um, connect to the BBS, and I was playing MUDs. Oh. Um, I think one of the first ones I played was this game called Mutants with an exclamation mark at the end. Okay, uh, and that was basically a text-based MUD where you're kind of like traveling going north, south, and east, and west, and then you can encounter a monster on a tile and then run some scripts to attack it. I mean, you could go manually, too, but you know, we were scripting stuff to, to kill monsters, and mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the big boss was Satan on one of the levels, and he would spawn at like 6 a.m. every morning, and then a couple of hardcore players would wake up and, and try to take him down at 6 in the morning. I wow. think I... I did that once or twice, but it's it was pretty hardcore. Um, so you go way from, back in in computer games. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been a while. You know, I think a random aside, but a thing I learned recently. One of my favorite musicians. I don't know if you know this guy. I'm um, John Darnielle. He does the Mountain Goats. He, he's kind of taken a turn to being an author lately. And his first novel is about a guy who made games like that, though actually like postal versions like you know it goes like and those things still exist there's still postal games going on it sort of blows my mind um yeah. and so who are you as a gamer now like are are you still actively gaming well not as much as i would like there's a lot of games i, I want to play but uh i'm more focused on building infinite fleet and you know testing that when i have time rather than playing other games yeah um, i think the last game i played really hardcore was uh, probably lineage 2 and that was you know long a long long time ago okay but I, I like mmo games i like games with the social component and progression where it feels like you're accomplishing something yeah in the world i was thinking you know i often say that i don't really think i'm a gamer exactly just because i don't consistently i'm not consistently playing something over the course of my life but i do play things like I tend to like, um, well, I like Civilization a lot. I've come back and forth in Civilization over the years. It's got, I tried the most recent one. It is way too complicated. I'm just like, okay, I think I'm done with this for good. But, um, and then I play, um, I play Magic the Gathering. Uh, I played that on paper for a while, actually more recently than, you know, most people start in their lives. And then uh, I've been playing it on, on the mobile app recently, which is really good. But I guess, you know, did, did you ever play Magic? Have you, ever, have you been a Magic player? Uh, not really. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't really like card games and stuff like that. I'm, I'm more of a high-speed gamer. Like I, I like playing RTS games like StarCraft, WarCraft. What's RTS? Uh, real-time strategy. Real-time strategy, okay. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of how I got my entry into game development. I, I started out like on the balance team at Relic, um, balancing real-time strategy games. Uh, we worked on Dawn of War and Company of Heroes. I don't know if you played those. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I guess precisely the opposite of your taste. I think I like, you know, Civilization's also turn-based. I think I like yeah. um, 
slower or at least I like turn-based games and strategy. Um, but the reason I asked about magic, well, I mean, one is just, you know, as you know, maybe not everyone else knows, but you know, there is, there is a very strong, uh, magic subcurrent in the Bitcoin world. Uh, and that persists quietly, you know? Um, but, um, but also because it's a good bridge to what you're doing and some of the issues that, um, infinite fleet raises, because, you know, do you, do you know sort of the stories of the early days in magic and sort of like the initial problems they ran up, ran into with effectively like their economy? Are, Are you familiar with that? Not in detail. Maybe you can tell me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert on either, but just sort of the, the long and the short of it is just, you know, Magic came along. Uh, it was really, really popular early on. You know, if anyone who remembers those days, it, you know, among the geeks of wherever you were, it was like a wildfire. And, um, and uh, the I don't know if they anticipated that the cards would have all this value that they did, but there was this real danger of it becoming this game that was really about speculation much more than playing and um and much to some people's consternation you know wizards of the coast got pretty like socialist about the whole thing and like actually worked pretty hard to kind of like not crush the speculative side of it but sort of like undermine it pretty um pretty intensely and a lot of people believe that the long view is that saved magic you know like it wouldn't it wouldn't be a 30 year game now, uh, if they hadn't have done that. And so I guess I wonder about like, um, as, as, as we looked at games that sort of break the economy off and sort of like let people go wild, like, is there some danger of sort of the problem that magic faced? And I'm sure you guys are thinking about that at Pixelmatic. So I think that's a good place to start about this idea of like, you know, real tokens in a, in a game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how <laughs> a lot of online games have to deal with uh, economic issues. Like, as a game developer, I did a number of online games too when I was at Ubisoft, and you know, you're always worrying about the economic aspect. And I think if you get big enough, like say Eve Online, then you bring in real world economists to help manage that and uh, try to make sure you don't run into hyperinflation. Um, and those kind of issues. It's just kind of weird that you have to deal with it. And I, I think we have an idea of how we can address that with uh, Infinite Fleet. So one of the things is the game currency will be finite. We haven't decided the number exactly, but mm. I want to try to take some of that um, deflationary component um, from from Bitcoin and see if it, it can apply to a game world and what impact that would have on the game economy. And are you guys planning to, like, once it kicks off and you've decided what the basic rules of the economy are to be like totally free market about it. And just like, whatever goes from there goes, we're not going to, we're not going to put our thumb on the scales to make things work better. Is that the idea? That's the general idea. So the, the in-game currency, it's called INF. Um, that will be finite and it's primarily going to be used for player to player trade, but occasionally we might make some items available for purchase using INF, like um, new ships. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the general idea is like it, it, it could be listed on a crypto exchange. It could accrue value. It's not something we guarantee, but mm-hmm. it's likely going to get value just like uh, world of Warcraft gold or lineage to Adina became valuable you know people would try to farm it and sell it to the the 
the money rich players, but time poor players. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of an arbitrage there. But uh, this would be used for peer to peer trade. And um, I think people would denominate their items in dollar terms and execute the trade based on whatever price the INF token is at that time. I don't think they'll price it in the INF token, but in dollar terms. So even if um, it went to become very valuable, it shouldn't matter because then you'll just be able to buy more stuff. But people will likely price things accordingly uh, and, and nullify that. And so uh, you guys raise, I think you're up to like $7.7 million in a security token offering. And the idea, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, is that the tokens people have bought sort of before the launch will eventually become INF in the game. Is that is that right, if that's what they opt to do? Actually, no, it's totally separate. So oh. we're using, uh, we call it a dual token model. <laughs> okay. The INF token is purely meant to be the game currency and used in player-to-player, player-to-player engagements and trade. So if uh, you have a ship that you level up to 99 and I want to buy it from you, then that's the mechanism for that trade. Okay. Um, for the fundraising, we're using a security token. So the is actually, it, it gets kind of complicated. You know, when you deal with regulatory stuff, it always gets complicated. Sure. Uh, there, there are two security tokens, or will be two security tokens. There's the EU token, meant for the EU and rest of the world. And then there's the XOUS token, which is just for U.S. investors. Sure. So the XOUS token has actually not been issued, uh, but the EU token has been issued. And um, I think we'll likely see it listed on a security token exchange in the next couple weeks. I thought I saw something about a conversion somewhere. Sorry about that. I mean, I know that, that's how these things often go. So what's the, what's the, <laughs> what is the security? T- is it just equity in the company? Is that what people are raising for it? Or it, does it? It's a, Effectively, equity and profit share. So, twenty percent okay. of profits of the game publisher. So, Pixelmatic mm. is the developer of the game, and right. then the publisher is called Exordium, and that's why the token is called EXO. Okay. But Exordium is actually a game publisher. So, it's publishing one game right now, which is Infinite Fleet. But down the road, it could publish additional games. Um, you know, we're raising the capital for that pur- the purpose of development of Infinite Fleet, but also to license. Okay. Distribute other games from other people. And any in-game so effect the, of having the token, like I don't know, do you get a free pass or whatever, or do you get <laughs> something like that? No, no. no. All right. So we, we want a very clear separation between uh-huh. the game currency and the capital raise, and this is to avoid any um, any regulatory or legal issues. Like a lot of projects have raised capital with an ICO, and then you know they get in trouble with the SEC or whatnot because it's not really a utility token if you're trying to sell it and raise capital, right? Sure, sure. It's blatantly a security. So we want it to be very upfront. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And what's the, and I mean, I think I know what your, what your answer to this is, but just for folks who are listening, what's the advantage if, if you're, you know, selling a peer security to do that in token form as opposed to, I don't know, traditional certificates or, you know, however securities have been done for a long time. What's the advantage there? Well, that's a totally different rabbit hole. I'm happy to go down that one. Yeah, let's, let's do it a little bit. So, yeah. So, so security tokens, I think, are going to revolutionize capital markets. So right now, when you trade on the NASDAQ or NYSE exchange, you, you know, you can only trade Monday to Friday during business hours and not for bank holidays, right? So it, it's incredibly limited. And we, we've seen the proliferation of crypto exchanges that are running um, almost uh, with zero downtime 24 7, 365 days a year. So there's this big discrepancy between what is possible in the current financial system. And uh, a security token is just taking advantage of the new infrastructure that has been built up and has shown itself to work and removing friction. Uh, it's also removing the possibility of centralized points of failure, like when GameStop was uh, on a tear, right? The Robinhood would just shut down trading because of various reasons, but um, it, it's likely like they didn't want people to trade that at those prices. But with the security token, you can't really, as a platform, you can't really do anything because you can also have peer-to-peer trade. So the EXO token is a, a security token issued on the Liquid network. And you know, if you're on a white list of investors, then you can trade with other investors in a peer-to-peer manner without needing to go on an exchange. But of course, those exchanges will also be available. So it just, just opens up the playing field to seamless liquidity across the and just to say this a, all the a little bit more for folks who might be listening one i mean because people hear tokens you know a security token can't be traded on something like a. I mean obviously this is liquid based but um but like a uniswap or whatever because they they have to go onto like the kinds of exchanges that have jumped through certain hoops that are approved to deal with securities right so they, they aren't quite as open as sort of general crypto stuff is but they still you're right have these advantages yeah. of like you know, no market closure and, and things like that. And, and and yeah, the peer-to-peer advantage, because because it's cool, you can have these smart contracts that just say, this is the set of people in the world who are allowed to trade securities, and so those folks can just trade with each other, and since it's all logged in the blockchain, it's transparent. So, um, correct. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they could potentially be traded on uh, a liquid-based decentralized exchange. Um, there's a company called Seven Labs working on TDEX, and in theory, they could support trading of these assets but like you said they would be amongst the whitelisted investors right 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 yeah because it's not you know it's not freely transportable to everyone just the whitelisted investors right right um and liquid just, just super quickly and and i'm probably gonna screw this up on some level but is um is block streams like um bitcoin extension that uh you know lets folks do some some more cool stuff that aren't, isn't readily available on bitcoin but still kind of all links back to Bitcoin. Is that a good dumbed-down way of saying what Liquid is? Yeah, fair enough. It's um, 
we, we are basically the service provider to the Liquid Network. Mm-hmm. The Liquid Network is a federation of members, and it's controlled by those members. So we, we can't really dictate what happens with the network. They, they themselves can decide uh, on the governance of that network. But it's about 50-someone members, and a subset of them are running these functionary boxes. So effectively, 1U servers, and they're distributed around the world in different um, jurisdictions, and they're black boxes. So they can't censor transactions. They can only turn their box off mm-hmm. if they choose to and not sign a block. But it, it's effectively like a, a common carrier. They just process transactions. Yeah, cool. Um, so I, and Samson, just so you know, um, oh, and don't worry about going on mute when I'm talking, by the way. I don't think it really, it doesn't really matter. It's just you and me right now. We'll, we'll add some more people later. But um, but so just so you know, as a speaker, you can um, share uh, tweets to everyone who is listening. So I've shared a few. I just threw a one related to Liquid up there. Maybe not the best one, but uh, if folks want to find out more, it's there. Um, let's get back to Infinite Fleet, though. Okay, so this is this is an interesting format of game. I feel like I've seen a couple of these recently, um, but... It's the idea is you're not just one dude running around or flying around fighting aliens. You're uh, you're really more governing a crew and kind of looking at it from a, like a slightly higher level as you battle aliens. But it's it's like a it's sort of a general level viewpoint, right? Yeah. So the the game is about fleet based combat. Yeah. So Into the Fleet is a, a sci fi MMO game. So you're playing with Know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of other players around the world and each player will have you know right now it's one fleet but we hope that you'll be able to build and customize several fleets and you'll be able to deploy them in offline missions so that you're not you don't need to manage them all but um it, it's really just a, a big game about resourcing so if you go back to real-time strategy games like starcraft um you know you're fighting against uh, a max of eight people and you're building, you're resourcing, you're mining minerals, and then you're fighting, building units to fight at the same time. But I guess the vision for this is you're building your base and infinite fleet during your um, your playtime, like your downtime, um, and you can manage your bases from a companion app. But when you want to go to your computer, then you can fight and uh, you know <laughs> wreak some havoc on on the Aatrox, the alien faction. Uh, at first, the the game is going to be PVE, so you're just playing against the, the uh, computer faction or mm-hmm. the AI faction. But um, well, we we as the game developer, we're kind of managing that alien faction. So an example I like to give is it's sort of like Dungeons and Dragons, where well, the story isn't written yet. It's not like World of Warcraft, where you just go through and blow through all the quests one by one and collect ten things and turn them into some NPC. We have a general story. Uh, arc that we're trying to follow but how players reach the next checkpoint in that story arc is really up to them so they can work together to achieve objectives and you know we'll react react accordingly as the as the dungeon master and potentially make it more challenging or you know ease up a bit but this the story is really tailored around the players themselves and it, it goes back to what i was talking about earlier which is you know, i like playing games where i'm creating some some story or some legend rather than just clicking through quests. So um, the lore of the game is going to also center around the players. So if you, you know, if you uh, ready are a commander and you led a raid onto um, some planet and killed a, a big boss, then you'll be written into the lore. 
and you know, you're, you'll exist after the game is over, effectively, which I don't think any other games are doing right now. Who who is um who's what do you mean written? Who is there? Some, are there are people on your staff who are keeping track of these things and making logs of it. Yeah, so <laughs> that that is the plan um, for the lore right now. We're just backfilling. Still, we're writing a lot about the backstory, mm-hmm. but. When the game launches, it's currently in alpha, I think from beta, then we'll actually start tracking what people are doing and monitoring that. So if you look at a game like World of Warcraft or Lineage, you know, when people achieve something, the game developer doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might see, okay, yeah, you killed the dragon, the, you're the first uh, guild that killed the dragon, but you know, it resets tomorrow and it's over. For us, like, these big world-scale events are one-off, so it doesn't reset and doesn't replay. If you manage to beat this boss, um, you know, this week, that boss is not coming back. The story will progress and there will be another boss or another big raid that you can undertake. Right. Huh. That's okay. That's, that is very exciting. I I get the appeal to that. Did you, did you play Eve along the way in there? I tried. I couldn't get into it. Okay. <laughs> it felt like playing a spreadsheet against a, a backdrop of space. <laughs> Just if if anyone's listening doesn't. I mean, I never played Eve either, but I've written about it and I've read about it. Eve was kind of like the first kind of like, well, I don't know if it was first, but it was a, it was a very successful, gigantic, still going um, sort of space opera, you know, run by this crew in Iceland. And, you know, one of the things that, that I learned about Eve, kind of one of my big story successes I had as a young journalist is I... I was writing about how Eve Eve kind of has that, but the thing about it is um, the company behind it, whose name is eluding me, um, doesn't doesn't actually um, thanks doesn't actually uh, log it themselves. But I, one of the, a part of me writing about this, I I met this guy Matt. I mean, we became we started interacting online, but um, but he's he has actually written he personally as a separate journalist has written a couple of books on kind of the great wars of Eve, you know. Um, and so he researched it and, you know, did interviews and stuff and gathered, gathered evidence. And so, so, so they do kind of have that, but only because, um, this dude got interested in it as a story. So it's cool that you guys are planning to like log those things as they actually happen as if it's like real history. Yeah. I mean, the, the other problem that I have with Eve is that it's, it's very brutal. Like you, you have to, uh, join a guild for protection or else you're going to get, you're going to get wasted uh-huh. <laughs> if you're trying to do anything without, without air cover, you know? So it's a very brutal game and you spend a lot of time, um, building up for one big battle that's over in a, in the blink of an eye. And then it's just like uh, more spreadsheets until the next thing. So <laughs> like, I, I, I like that you can it's sandboxy and you can do whatever you want. But I think there's a happier balance between the, the, the bleakness of being able to play without having to join a, a big guild and um, still being able to do open world stuff and sandboxy type stuff. So we're trying to find a, a better balance. But it's like you said, like the it's cool. Like I, I see those articles too. Like you know, there's this big battle and this big ship was. Uh, blown up and you know, they spent months building it. It costs a lot of ISK to build, but then you know that's not really part of the story. It's just you know, the players did it, and then someone wrote an article about it, and no one really knows who the, who those people are. But mm. what I want is that the story of this game of Infinite Fleet will survive Infinite Fleet. So you know we can bundle up the chronicles into 
novels or <laughs> we can get it made into a manga but mm-hmm. you know you'll you'll be a part of that so hopefully someday you can pass this book to your your kids or your grandkids and say this is what i did because for most games you just play through the content and you're done it's a it's a very straightforward experience yeah i definitely as a journalist keep waiting for the day when um you know these virtual worlds become so important that actually like there is just beat reporters who are covering the world inside them uh small small aside on the eve thing one of the cool stories this guy andrew something i'm forgetting i'm sorry i'm forgetting his name right now but told me but you know the the goons the folks from something awful they really like invaded eve really hard and one of the things they did is at the time that they showed up um there was a real ethos in eve that stuff in eve only happened within eve you know like so you, you shouldn't do anything in eve unless you were doing it in the game but the goons started organizing pretty intensely like offline and like making a lot of planning happening that way and sort of getting and galvanizing people and gathering them. And that was viewed as like really, um, really gauche, but like they ended up, you know, really wrecking everyone for a while. And so everyone had to adjust. So that was a pretty interesting sort of, you know, online versus offline or kind of in game out of game sort of story that happened. But anyway, and so, um, and how will is coming back to, um, this idea of, you know, tokens being real. I mean, is that, is that a part of the story? Like is money a part of the story or is that just a fact? That's just a different facet of how this game works. Uh, it's also a part of the story. Like so, sometimes people ask like, why didn't you just put Bitcoin into the, in, into infinite fleet? And I think it really has to do with immersion. Um, there, there's, um, another group, uh, um, Christian Moss, I forgot the name of it, Zebedee. They're, uh, they're doing a lot of things like um, Mint Gox, and they have like a Bitcoin rally, and you can race for sats and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's okay for, say, a shooter or you know, a racing game or even a fighting game, but for an MMO, it's, it, it's not an RPG, but there's definitely an RPG element to it, right? We want to immerse you in this world. So uh, I think putting Bitcoin in would take away from that. So you know, in this game universe, the INF currency stands for um, interplanetary network finance currency, right? It's like the Bitcoin of this universe. And, you know, we don't want people to think I'm, I'm killing something and earning sats. You know, we want to be um, more immersed into our, our own fiction. Is, is uh, the universe our universe but way in the future or is it a whole different universe? Uh, it's a, I would say it's a different universe because if it's our universe in the future, it'd still be Bitcoin. Right, that's what, that's what I was going to say, Samson. I was like, if you if yeah. you were like, uh, I really believe in Bitcoin, you're just like, it's 5,000 years in the future universe. and what everyone's using is Bitcoin. Yeah. It's like, an alternate universe. But, you know, like I'm a, I'm a, a very strong believer in Bitcoin and I think um, I, I'm trying to use a lot of Bitcoin mythology okay. into the, in the universe of Infinite Fleet. So, you know, in the future, it's not like nation states. Everything is a citadel. There's five big citadels and a number of other citadels, but the the governance model is based on consensus. So, once they've established foundational law in the citadel, then generally any new thing you want to do requires uh, a supermajority or of consensus. So, if you wanted to go to war, there there is no government or some president that just declares war. Everybody has to opt in and agree to that before it can change mm-hmm. hmm. okay cool yeah i dig that so um as i was looking around before this started to see what was going on kind of the latest news it looks like really very latest news is this right like am i reading these tweets right like infinite fleet just went into an alpha version uh we've been in alpha for 
good couple months now, actually. Oh, then what are these folks who are tweeting that they got this golden ticket that, about being an alpha? Like, what's what's that deal? Right. We had a big backlog. So we've been letting in uh, oh, players that... Oh, so it's not open uh, to everyone. So, you, so you, people are yeah. slowly... Tra- okay, okay. Yeah. So if you bought a ship or you invested, then you uh, basically get access now. Um, we haven't opened it up to the broader public yet because we don't have enough resources to deal with uh, onboarding people and support tickets, right? Like, there's always these issues that come up. And we're still doing a weekly rollout of invites um, just so that we batch up all the support and, and overhead it in one part of the week so that we can still focus on development for the, the earlier part of the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and w- what can people do in the alpha right now? And then how do you expect it to change, you know, in the next, whether it's going to go to a beta or just go live, you know, what, what's, what's, what's happening now and what's next. So right now the alpha is still quite limited. We, we, that you come in, you can uh, play with your ships, fly around, travel between planets in one star system. You can kill the Aatrox. You can do some mining. But these are still all like V1s of the various systems. We just wanted to give people a taste of it. And over the next uh, couple of months, we'll be adding more and more systems to this until beta. And then beta will have you know more final systems. There, there will be a reset at beta. We'll reward the early players um, somehow. I don't think they'll get to keep all their upgrades, but they'll get some bonus or something for playing the alpha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I was reading uh, some of this um, stuff about Infinite Fleet, and I saw that, you know, you've said pretty clearly that you want this to be a A quality game. And, you know, I respect that. I've been saying for a while that I don't really think blockchain games are going to take off until it's like, I think, I think players will like crypto attributes when uh-huh. they wrap their head around them. But I don't yep. think crypto attributes are going to sell anyone on a game, if that makes sense. Correct. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's why it's not called, you know, infinite blockchain ships. It's, <laughs> right, right. it's infinite fleet. And, uh, and I think, like, the reason why we, we started talking about games is because you had an article, and I read it, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much what we are building. Like, it's, it's to avoid those pitfalls. Like, there's no barrier to entry. The crypto part is completely optional. So... Um, we don't want to force anyone to say buy some token and then then unlock something in the game. We don't want you to to set up a wallet right away. We want you to play first, and this is kind of icing on the cake. Um, it's really enabling players and empowering them when they're ready for it. So, I think there's a way to do this where you can hide almost all that complexity, so they don't know that there is an underlying blockchain. Um, I forgot to mention the ships are NFTs too. So basically they they don't need to know any of this stuff. The the game currency being a crypto token, the the ships being NFTs, they don't need to know it. If they want to move it into another wallet, like um, any liquid compatible wallet, they can do that. But it should not be a barrier to just playing the game and trading with people. And if they're NFTs, that means that some other company could come along and be like, we think we have a better user interface for selling these NFTs, buying and selling them. We're going to make our own eBay for these NFTs, and you guys would have nothing yeah. to do with that. They would just get to trade them. Yeah, pretty much. Like we're we want to embrace the secondary market because I, you know, being a MMO player myself, I know that you know players will always find a way to bypass. <laughs> like you're not supposed to sell World of Warcraft gold, but there's a big market or 
well, was a really big market for selling World of Warcraft gold. And players will always find a way. So it's better, from my point of view, to just embrace that and be more open with both the, the game items and the game currency rather than trying to squish it. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So um, I want to let I, a few people had requested to come on and speak earlier, um, and I hadn't let them on. But if folks have questions or even just a comment they want to make, uh, you're welcome to come in. Um, you know, we're mostly talking about games tonight. That's kind of what I wanted to focus on. I, you know, I imagine Samson's game to talk about Blockstream stuff and Bitcoin stuff too. I don't know. Um, feel free to say no if you don't want to. Um, I have a, I have a a couple more questions I want to do though. Um, but if folks want to come up, just request, and I will add you soon. Um, so back to this AAA gaming question, Samson. I mean, a AAA gaming studio means like the very best, the big gaming studios, the ones who deliver very high quality, very impressive games that make you kind of gasp. But like, for, as a, as something of an insider and someone who's you know running a company that's doing this, like, what does that really need, mean? And what and what are the first? What are the most important aspects of sort of imp- impressiveness, top qualityness that that you guys are are aiming for now to sort of come off as as good as the rest of them? Well, I think the graphics and polish are ultimately what define uh, okay. a triple A game. So. I don't think we're there yet. We haven't. We've been focused more on building out pipelines. Like we, I would say, our alpha is still very, very early. Like mm-hmm. if you look at the game now, it's okay, but it's not the final level of polish we want, mm-hmm. uh, or even the ships. We're basically willing to show you what it looks like right now in development and let you try it out. But uh, we do have a ways to go, I think. But ultimately, like I, I want to get it to the level of, say, Company Heroes. Or you know games I've worked on in the past where it's like super slick and the production quality is just you know amazing, but we're still early and we do have a long way to go before we're at that level. Okay, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that it's like it's the it's the graphics and just the initial look that does it. I, I really wasn't actually sure there. Um, okay, so uh, Samson, you probably haven't listened to the last episode of this show. Um, but, uh, I have a question I've started asking everyone, and this is the second time I've done it. I've decided that as a game, speaking of games, I've decided I have a personal quest with this show. Uh, I, there's a mystery in crypto that I want to solve and I don't think you're going to know the answer for it, but I just want to ask you and other people listening, if you have clues, get them to me. But in the ICO era, uh, which I know you, you watched from the sidelines, you, I don't think you probably participated in it too much, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you were watching it go down. Uh, there was a great story that happened in there that I wrote about and have continued to be somewhat fixated on. And that's the guy who came out and sold the useless Ethereum token, where he said if you bought his token, 
he promised to buy flat screen TVs and maybe a car with it and you know, do nothing for you. Uh, and I, you know, I, I communicated with the guy as he was, um, pitching this whole thing and he raised, you know, like $60,000 or something. It wasn't, it wasn't that crazy, but you know, it was real money. Um, and so I have decided my mission is I need to meet this guy and know who he was. Do you know who the useless Ethereum token CEO was, Samson? (laughs) <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Dang. Well, maybe someone listening will and will help me out. Okay. So while I was asking that important question, um, Colin Thomas asked to come on and ask a question. So, hey, Colin, Colin, what's up? Join us. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, hey Samson, what's up, man? Hey, Colin. <clears throat> Good to uh, I've got a quick question, actually. What game engine are you using? And uh, depending on the engine, is there off-the-shelf uh, tool or, 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 I don't know, way of integrating you know, this kind of stuff within a game. So, for yeah, example... So, oh, sorry, go ahead. Right. We're, we're using Unity. Um, okay. That was uh, the engine we've been using for quite some time, so we felt very familiar with it and comfortable with it. Um, in terms of integrating, you know, NFTs and uh, crypto tokens, is that what you mean? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, it depends. Like, I, I think there's... Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of different blockchains out there that want to tokenize items and put them on their chain, and they have their own SDK kits. But for us, we want to use Liquid. So um, I think Light Knight might be offering something. I'm not sure yet, but it's still pretty early. I mean, the number of games that are building on top of Liquid is, you know, it's us and I think Light Knight. So uh, yeah, there's nothing I, off the shelf yet. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you know, keeping it within Bitcoin would be... <laughs> you know, ideal. Um, and I don't, I don't know how liquid integrates with that, but I mean, uh, I'd be definitely be interested. I think for me, I'd be using unreal engine. And so, so I just want to find out if there's a way to integrate, you know, uh, whatever your solution you're using for that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's right now for us, it's without me having to go to like some weird, you know, blockchain flow or one of these other, you know, weird (laughs) ones. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like for us, it's not uh, it, it's not very tightly integrated because okay. we let, let's say when you buy a ship, um, we we'll, we'll mint all the NFTs of that ship ahead of time. But when you buy a ship, the ship actually just sits in database and uh, is linked to your account. And when you want to remove that ship um, and, and put it onto the marketplace or move it to an external wallet, then you know, the ship still exists in the game. It doesn't. The physical, the the digital ship doesn't go anywhere. The token right, is really right. just like a key, so that is moved on to the non-custodial wallet that is created for the user, and from there, they, that's how they execute trades, and everything is peer to peer. Will um, so, will will uh, will Infinite Fleet log anything on chain in the game? Um, I think we will do some sort of uh, time stamping of the database, so you know that it's not tampered with. But it's not not critical. I think. Like, so it's not like if the ship gets blown up, it's really blown up. That's not a thing. Well, that's something we're still talking about. Okay. So we're thinking of having hardcore zones where you can actually, you know, lose the ship, and uh-huh. then we would potentially burn the token associated right. with the ship. Right. Uh, and There's, destroy that. And I've heard of cool things that some, and Colin, feel free to come back on if, if you're not getting all your 
questions answered here, but it just made me think of it as, you know, I know there's some games that have talked about doing things like, for example, I don't know if this makes sense for ships, but like, uh, like if a character upgrades that gets logged on whatever blockchain and then like that NFT is permanently upgraded, you know, any, anything along, along those lines. We thought about doing something, but it might not be on a blockchain. So we've been looking at, um, ion from, um, Microsoft. So that's their identity system and potentially each ship could have its own identity that is uh, separate from the game itself. And that's really just to show historical ownership and potentially um, where it was during, you know, was it in this battle or things like that? And that could be interesting. Yeah. I think like, the history of that item. But I don't, I don't think you need a blockchain for that. You could do it through the ION system. And, you know, yeah, I, I believe it's still anchored to Bitcoin in some way with some kind of commit. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't need to be, you know, embedded into, uh, into a smart contract or something like that. Colin, are you looking to make a game? Uh, yeah. Um, so I currently work in the in the video game industry, and I think I've I've reached out to Samson in the past. Uh, he's been pretty awesome with getting back to me, actually. But um, I I had another question about um, just in general, like as a Bitcoiner yourself, uh, like how 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 do you perceive um, NFTs in video games versus the way they're currently implemented, let's say on Ethereum? Um, for example, uh, you know, uh, the way that, the way they currently have them, which is, I guess it's, it's being hosted on what ICFS and all this other stuff. Like what's your thought on that versus, um, the way you're doing it within the game itself? I'm not sure if my question made any sense for it, <laughs> but you, you yeah, know so, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I get it. It's like the immutability of it, right? So I think for us, it's not that critical. The, the NFT is really like the key to your ship, right? Do you have the key yeah. and can you stick it in the ignition and drive it? And if you don't, right. then you can't have that ship. It's not yours. So right. the, the immutability of the model, I don't know. Like, you know, as a game developer, you should know, like, you know, periodically you might yeah. want to do a refresh and upgrade all your models or you need to add exactly. LOD, like... I mean, it, the ship is not one ship. I mean, it's yeah, just even, just even, you're, you're right. Just even the, sorry to cut you off, but just even the, the creation of the model it, models itself, I mean, the studio yeah. creates them, right? So it's not like... Yeah. Um, individual individuals who authored them and then uh you know they're one off you know they're they're embedded within the game so i mean it there's always a version of that you know just how how yeah, exactly you're integrating that ethically you know and and you know a lot of the a lot of the conversation that came up around nfts and i remember doing that i remember during the initial boom of, of nfts you know i had a lot of artists buddies that uh got involved and you know not understanding fully what they mean, you know, mm-hmm. and just everyone jumping on board and all this kind of stuff. But again, you know, I I think within a, a, a curated environment like a video game, that's probably the, the most ethical way of doing NFT. I, I don't know what that's that's kind of what I want to get your opinion on, to be honest. But yeah, so I don't I don't see the need for immutability of the the, the artwork, right? And like you have multiple LODs, so one ship might have. Uh, I don't know, three or four LODs, depending on which distance you're looking at. Are those all NFTs yep. too? Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, right? And then you might want to optimize yeah, it down yeah. the road, and then what do you do? Do you, like, uh, say, send me back your NFT, and I'll make a new one for you for that LOD? Like, it just it makes no What's sense. What's an LOD? Uh, a level of detail model. Okay. It's just okay. level of 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's basically like when when a camera zooms backwards, sure, sure, or, yeah. or zoom away from the from yeah, the yeah. asset, you know, it, it gets yeah. 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 So, so like that's why I don't think it matters as much. And you know, there's like some Ethereum card game which they uh, they want to like put. It's like a magic clone, but they want to put the attributes into the blockchain too. And they say you know like the card is gonna be immutable and the stats will never change. But I don't know. Like that doesn't work either. Like you need to tune things and rebalance them. Like uh, I could not imagine Hearthstone where all the cards are. 100% immutable and never tunable. That would just be the death of the game. And the only way around that is to obsolete the card and make a new card with new stats and a new NFT. So, I don't know. It, it doesn't really make sense to me. If you're an artist and you want to put it on IFPS and um, put a hash of the artwork when you're minting, maybe, yeah, because you're not going to make another piece of art that replaces the original, right? It's one of a kind in theory. So, I could see that linkage, but for a game, I don't really see a strong linkage between the NFT and the and the items. It's really just the key. Um, right. Right. Cool. Well, that yeah, that's... yeah. I mean, when we started selling ships, we told we didn't tell people their NFTs, and we sold a couple hundred in the first week, and that's just because people want the ships. Um, and right now, people are asking, "Are the ships NFTs?" And we say, "No," but they will be because you know it's centralized. <laughs> we, as the developer, can make the NFT anytime we want. Wow, you heard it here. Welcome to uh, uh, Lightbulb Talks. You're getting these, getting the news here. Um, we've got another speaker who's joined <laughs> us, um, BTC Chai. Um, what's up, BTC Chai? What's what's on your mind? Hey, yeah, I'm uh, a little curious about uh, Infinite Fleet. I've, I haven't had time to uh, look into it before. Um, I, I I do check in on you know uh, uh, some other uh, blockchain game projects and whatnot, like the. Uh, uh, like the uh, decentralized gaming association, you know, they've got a discord where, you know, it, it gets pretty interesting. Those guys are all, uh, are, are pretty interested in fully decentralized serverless games and whatnot. You know, how far, how far, uh, uh, do you want to take, um, you know, infinite fleet towards, uh, uh, being fully decentralized or, or or what what parts of it you know do you want to have decentralized yeah i've talked to this about a lot of I've talked with a lot of people about this topic and i don't know like if you can actually do that you'd only be able to do something like with uh, user generated content where uh, you're basically playing with voxels or something maybe minecraftish where people could in theory run their own instance of it but if you're doing anything with a blockchain and it's serverless then the state and the assets need to be replicated across every single node in the network and if people are creating their own content that's a lot i mean bitcoin's blockchain already is growing by five to six gigabytes a month and all we have are transactions if you need to synchronize all that that stuff constantly between different players it could get pretty unwieldy pretty quickly and then the question goes like you know, do people want to run run the software right or do they want to be connected and uh, spend an hour thinking when they boot up the game and i don't know i think the answer is no yeah i feel like i mean you know i'm not making a game but i feel like that is an interesting case of folks putting decentralization ahead of like utility i feel like we the those of us who think games are interesting on whatever level need to see like a really compelling decentralized game 
before game makers are going to be convinced that like decentralization makes it more fun. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. do, you, do you agree with that, Samson? I feel like that's kind of what you're saying too. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, you have to make the game first. <laughs> this is why I, I think a lot of the blockchain games that market themselves as blockchain games fail. Like, like we will say sometimes we're a blockchain game, but generally, I don't like to use that term because it means you're putting. You know, the blockchain first and it, ultimately there has to be a reason for that and I don't think the reason is compelling enough to motivate someone to play a game just because there's a blockchain it's, it's game first um, gameplay first I do have a That's feeling that really there's a good point Samson. I actually really dig that you that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people forget that right like the game has to be fun first it, yeah. it has to be a game first you know before it gains any adoption or any, any anything else that comes afterwards, you know? Yeah. If the game's not fun, literally, people will just tune out after, you know, starting it up. So, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I, do, I do believe that decentralization is an interesting design space, and there's some game genius of the future who will find a way to make that fun, and we'll all be impressed when he, when he, he or she does that, and we'll be like, why didn't we think of that? But that doesn't mean that the right way to go is just be like, we got to be decentralized. This is, you know, the blockchain era. So, um, but it's, it's a good question, BTC Chai. Thanks for bringing that up. Cause I, this, it is just sort of a perennial topic um, in this space. I just, want to, just want to mention, you know, you may want to have a look at uh, Planetarium's Nine Chronicles or uh, some of the Zaya games. Because, uh, well, they're not all, you know, in final release yet, but, uh, you know, they, they do seem fun, you know, like uh, fun games to play and whatnot, and and they are f- uh, fully decentralized. So, you know, it, it seems like it is, it is, you know, quite possible. You know, yeah. just, uh, anyway, just a thought. Let's do a quick survey of the, and we should probably oh, yeah. wrap up pretty soon, but I want to do a quick survey of the people listening uh, using the emoji function. So if you're on here kind of more as a Bitcoiner, uh, do the fist that's up. And if you're on here more as a gamer, do the peace sign up. You know, down at the little, you see the heart at the bottom? Yeah, we got a fist. All right. Well, that was Samson. Um, all right. <laughs> Who else? Uh, I got a fist up here. Any others? Come on. Give us the fist or the peace sign. It's a little heart plus thing below. All right. Seeing more fists. All right. So mostly Bitcoiners. Cool. Samson, I feel yeah. like I got you off a second ago. Oh, yeah. Well, I wanted to comment on that. Like the decentralization aspect, um, I think it's really overplayed. Um, that, uh, uh, fuck, what was it? Uh, immutable, immutable games, uh, gods unleashed. That yeah. Was yeah. Was, the, right? One of the many magic yeah, knockoffs. Yeah. Like they, they say that like the marketing is really misleading and they say, you know, you own your own, your, your cards and whatnot. And if you actually read the terms of service, it says, you know, you don't own the card. <laughs> it, it, they literally con- contradicted their own marketing in their terms of service. So, you know, the artwork is ours. And it's the same thing for CryptoKitties. Like, CryptoKitties is not decentralized. Like, you can't just take the CryptoKitty artwork and make your own CryptoKitty game, right? So, and it, even NBA Top Shots, I don't like that either. <laughs> That's also from uh, from the same people as the CryptoKitty developer. But you know, if you read the terms of service, you can't do anything with your Top Shot cards except for trade them on their platform. You can't, mm. you don't own the moment. You can't uh, sell the moment to someone else outside of their ecosystem. So, you know, it's just decentralization theater. You didn't need that blockchain. You right, right. Need, you don't need the NFT if you can't do what you want with it, right? So for us, it's very clear. Like, the NFT is the key. The ship is not yours. Like, yeah, it's yours in the game if you have the key, but the NFT is the key. Uh-huh. And you're not pretending it's more than that. I do, I think on, on uh, the thing that bummed me out with... Um uh, Gods Unchained is that you still have to do a 
an email login because they want to market to you. And it's just like, this is, this is <laughs> yeah. crypto, guys. Um, but exactly. uh, I do think in defense of CryptoKitties on the CryptoKitties itself, I have heard um, Dieter, who's the you know, kind of CTO there, talk about that. And, and they do want to find a way for you to own the artwork. It's just there's artwork is procedurally generated and there's all this like legal crap around it, which makes it hard for them to do it in a way that they, yeah, see, you know, so but anyway. they could open source all of that, though. That the, the answer is not hard. It is. You gotta I don't give know. it away. Yeah. You okay. got to give it away. That's the answer. But that's not a good answer for business. Uh-huh. Therefore, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, business is hard and blockchains are hard. Uh, cool. Well, so, um, all right. I feel like this has been a a good conversation. Thanks a ton, uh, Samson for coming on. Um, I hope I wasn't too spacey tonight since I have been moving in 90 degree weather, um, and I'm a little bit wiped out. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for coming to Lightbulb Talks. This will be on the Spacecast podcast network within, a day or so. I probably won't send in the edit until tomorrow morning. So you know, who knows? Um, so check that out. It includes lots of other talks by other people doing interviews about different tech related topics for now. Um, and uh, I will be back on Thursday night at nine, nine o'clock again. And I'm generally on from Tuesdays and Thursdays. So um, thanks, Samson. I, I'm going to definitely uh, find some time soon once it opens up a little bit more and I don't have to buy a spaceship uh, to try out Infinite Fleet a little bit. Because um, I do, I am interested in this whole idea of like running a fleet that seems cool to me. Um, and so thanks for talking to me about it tonight. That sounds fun. It was, it thanks was for fun. Me on, Brady. Yeah. Cool. Peace. Have a great one. Bye, everybody. Thanks a lot, Bye, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, thanks everyone for coming. Bye.